A good Nair of Shabbos. I want to, um, perhaps somewhat of a different type of thought in honor of this Shabbos, um, connect the dots a little bit in a very special week. It's on the one hand, of course, Shabbos, Parshas, Vayigash. Um, the week began in the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. The week ends, Shabbos is Heitavis, the Hasidish Yom Tov of Heitavis, um, where there was a victory in the Sforim court case in Tavshin uh, Memzayin, 41 years ago. Or thir- 31 years ago, that is. Um, and in the middle of the week, on Wednesday, we had the tremendous Yeshua, where our dear uncle, Salmartchei, Halevi Rubashkin, was released from his prison sentence, and which uh, immediately was met with a tremendous outpouring of Simcha by Kalal Yisrael throughout the world. So I want to do, perhaps try to connect the dots over here, of all these things coming together. Shabbos Parshas Vayigash, Hanukkah, Heitavis, and the Yeshua of Shalom Arfei. On a simple level, they're all special, joyous occasions, simchas. Um, in Vayigash, we have the end of a long and painful story where Yosef was separated from his father when he was sold into uh, slavery, really, into Egypt. And for 22 long years, he's disconnected from his father and brothers. And that whole story comes to his very happy conclusion in this week's Parsha, when they meet again, Yosef and his brothers, and then the father comes down to Mitzrayim. Um, one can just imagine the type of simcha that this Parsha brings to the end of such a painful episode in the Torah. Chanukah, of course, is again the tremendous simcha, the victory of the Maccabees over the Greeks, the oppressors, the liberation of the Beis HaMikdash and the purification of the Beis HaMikdash. Again, as the whole Hanukkah, we sing the words, thank Hashem for the great Simcha. And that's Hanukkah. Much closer to our generation, 30 years ago, 31 years ago, the story of Hetevis, which again was a very painful and difficult saga in Lubavish for the Rebbe. We're really the, um, the whole concept of the Rebbe and his forum were disputed in secular courts. Very painful episode. Now is not the time to go into it in detail. But that came to its happy conclusion on the 5th of Tevis in that year and celebrated since then every year in Chabad. And finally this week, when we have the end of a, almost a 10-year saga of a person who's torn away from his family, from his wife, from his children, from his parents, from his community, a very special person, and put through this very, very difficult situation that's hard to understand why it was or why it had to be. And yet, Baruch Hashem, this week, that it finishes with this tremendous liberation and again that tremendous tremendous outpouring of simcha and thanks to Hashem that we saw from every corner of the globe so really all of these events even without looking deeper um, are very connected in the great simcha of the end of a difficult uh, difficult a very difficult saga and difficult experiences and episodes uh, take that one step further it's really all about pidyon shvuyim about the um they're all connected with releasing of captives. Um, it's interesting, Dr. Rebbe says in Tanya that there's no simcha greater than the simcha of one who's captive and then is released. You look again into the Parsha, the whole story of the beginning of the Sikh Parsha, where Yehuda stands up to Yosef at Tzadik, 
not knowing there is Yosef, of course, Yehuda stands up and he says, and he demands the release of Binyamin. Binyamin is a captive. So it all came from that sense of urgency that Yehuda stands up and he says, no matter what, we'll, we'll, we'll fight Yosef, we'll fight Mitzrayim if need be to release that captive. In the story of Hanukkah, the Besamikdash itself was in captivity by the Greeks and there was idols erected in the Besamikdash. Um, and that came to its happy conclusion on Hanukkah. In the story of Hetavis and the Svarim, the Svarim were captives, and the Rebbe made that point many times, that a Sefer also has a soul. Everything in this world has a soul. And a Sefer definitely has a soul. And when it's in captivity, it's, a, it's painful for the Svarim. And that captivity was ended on the 5th of Tevis. And of course, Shalmartha's captivity ended this week on the 2nd of Tevis, or the 3rd of Tevis, as we all merited to witness this week. And as I said, how the Rebbe describes in Tanya that ain't simcha kitzeis min ashivya, that there's no simcha as great as the release of captivity. But I want to take this one step deeper, perhaps, and suggest that all of these simchas came from a sense of very powerful belief in Hashem, a belief in Hashem which says that although all odds might be against us when we stand up for what's right and we stand up for what's holy and for what's good that will be victorious over what seems to be insurmountable odds and odds that in this world don't seem to have a lot of chance of success in the parsha we have Yehuda who stands up against Yosef now Yosef is the viceroy of Mitzrayim second in command Mitzrayim is the superpower of the world and the Egyptians with their viceroy took Binyamin as a captive because of supposed theft. So 10 brothers stand up against the superpower and as Rashi tells us, Yudah says, I'll go to war with you. I'll go to war with the entire Egypt. Now, how does Yudah do that? What was he thinking? How are 10 brothers going to fight the Egyptian army? And it's talked about in this forum and they say, that's what Mesir Snafesh is all about. Yudah didn't think about the odds. Who didn't think about how he's going to manage this as far as the military might, but he knew what was right. He knew what had to be what had to be stood up for. And Yehuda was a melech. We know from amongst all the tribes, Yehuda was the king, chosen by Yaakov you know, to be the king. And a king is a king wherever he is. And even when he's hopelessly outnumbered, Yehuda acted like acted like a king. And he says. Logically, perhaps this doesn't make sense. I'm going to stand up for what's right if it means taking on the entire Egyptian empire. In the story of Hanukkah, we have a very similar story because Matisio and his family were hopelessly outnumbered by the Greeks. We say it in Davening that it was Rabbi Miad Meatim, that Hashem delivered the tremendous Hanukkah miracle in a way where he gave the many over into the hands of the few. And again, the question becomes, what was Matisio and his family thinking when they went out to rebel against the mighty Greek armies? And again, the answer is, they weren't necessarily thinking in the regular logical way of understanding thinking. They went on Messiris Nefesh. They knew this is what Hashem wants, this is what the terror wants, this is what the MS, the truth is. And they stood up for it. Courageously and miraculously, Hashem made them be victorious. In the story of Hetavis, so Chabad went to court. And interestingly, when you listen to the Rebbe Sichis of the, t of the time, uh, leading up to that court case, 
The Rebbe's arguments were very spiritual. You know, here you had a grandson of the previous Rebbe, who says, that, listen, I'm, uh, I'm a grandson. I inherited whatever belonged to my grandfather, and it's mine. And the Rebbe, in Fabringen after Fabringen, said that the Friedrich Rebbe never died, never passed away. The Gemara says, Mazare Bachaim, Afu Bachaim, his children are alive, his disciples are alive, so that he's alive. Because the Rebbe, said the Rebbe, is not about his physical body, it's about his teachings, it's about the Hasidus that he teaches, the people that he inspires, the followers that he leads. And as long as they continue in his ways, says the Rebbe, he never passed away and there's no Yerusha, there's nothing to talk about an inheritance, because he's still here, he lives on through his Hasidim, through his followers. Now, to us sitting by the Fabrengen, to us listening, that made a lot of sense. But that's very spiritual words, it's very holy words. The truth of the spirit over the body, and that a person lives for his disciples and teachings, is Ruchnistika, were spiritual words, and many were concerned, how is this going to go over in a secular court by a non-Jewish judge? I was young at the time, it was before my bar mitzvah, but I remember that there was concern, there was concern. How would the non-Jewish judge accept these very spiritual arguments? But as in all these other stories, we stood for the truth. The truth prevailed and Hashem prevailed in that tremendous victory and the outpouring of Simcha that came from that. In our story of this week, Shalomartcha is famous for his unwavering emunah, his unwavering bitachan, faith in Hashem, um, and his total reliance that Hashem was going to bring him home. That even if everything seemed to be going against him, as far as the laws and as far as the courts, one court after the other court, and the Supreme Court, but Shalom for a moment didn't waver. I um, mean, the countless writings that he wrote and the speeches that he gave, um, and the articles that he wrote, and that emunah and bitachan, that whatever happens in the world, the only balabas, the only one in charge is Hashem, and he was always confident, totally confident, that Hashem is gonna bring him home to his family, which Hashem did so beautifully this week. So it's a, it's a time of bitachin, a time of recognizing the power of the truth and the emes and that which is holy. And that Hashem is ultimately the only balabayis, the only ruler in this world. And as the Pasuk says, Dvar keinu yokum what Hashem says will stand, even if sometimes nature doesn't seem to see how it will happen. Jews cling to that which is higher than nature, live with it, and Hashem grants us these beautiful victories and salvations to prove it. And then we go from these gulas to the gulas, Shlemo with Mashiach, speedily. A good Shabbos.